side. And uh, Christine, you have some updates for that? Just one? Okay, let me get over there. Sorry, we're running really late today. That's my fault. Yes, I'd like to add, add a person, uh, Kim Neidick. Uh, she's married to our nephew, was our nephew, Goldie's and Virgil's and Marion's nephew. Uh, Kim was supposed to be operated on, on the breast for a lump this week, and they had to cancel because she got sick. Oh. So now she's scheduled for January 21 to have the surgery. Okay. And they're going to do a lumpectomy, what they're calling that. So hopefully and prayerfully everything goes okay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, whenever you have stuff put off. Amy, yes, we want to know if there's any news. Let me get over there, Mel. Oops. Yeah, our update would be that, uh, well, we have listed Amy with a, this, uh, a bit of a tumor. Uh, if we want to call it that anymore, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of in the dark sometimes. The tumor is the size of a grain of rice. Wow. And I said, my goodness, I might have something like that. Yeah. And it's not causing, uh, it's not causing her symptoms. So we're pretty much crossing that right off, and huh. uh, that's where we're at. It is bittersweet, they were, and it's not, it's not cancerous. Good. But uh, we're back to square one, and yeah. So. So she still needs our prayers. Yeah, and uh, you know that'll probably come off the, you know, our, our prayer list. But yeah, she's there uh, seeking more tests and. Go from there. Okay. All right. Well, at least they can, like you said, you can cross that off. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I'll keep, they'll keep me uh, informed and updated, and yeah. that's where we're at. Okay. Very good. Thanks for prayers. Yeah. Thank you, Mel. Do you have something? Yeah, I have. I'm going to just come up front here. You can call this a public service announcement, address, whatever. But I just wrote this down on a piece of paper here. Can you all see that? 0-1-12-20. I read this two weeks ago, and I wanted to say something last week, but I forgot. I remembered this morning. Most of us, when we date anything, um, a check, a legal document, we write two-digit month, two-digit day, two-digit year. The interesting thing about this year is that we date 0-1-12-20, and experts have said we should not date 2020 this way. Does anybody know why? Pardon? Exactly. Tina, did you see the same thing? Yes, because someone can add one nine or one eight or one seven to the end of your legal document and it could create big problems. So when you're dating anything this year, always date 2020, not just 20. Huh. So. Yeah, I found that very interesting. Yeah, so anyway, that's that. I can't imagine that anybody would do that. Oh, I mean, yeah, who would do something? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, you never know what people would try and do. Amy. 
I would say that whenever there's something good, there's always somebody out there thinking how to make it bad. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I mean, as far as my surgery went, everything went well with that. Um, it's a little achier than my other one was, but I see the doctor again for post-op the 22nd. I believe that's not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. So hopefully, hopefully till then everything kind of settles down. But um, I'd also like to add um, our sister-in-law's mom to our prayer list. Her name is Terry Weech. And um, she's been in the hospital a couple times. So my sister-in-law's dad passed away. Now they live in Florida. So, and they're, Okay, so it's your brother and his wife, and they have nine children. So that makes traveling and those kind of things a little hard. But um, Tara was able to go down to be with her mom the first time she went in the hospital. But she just she suffers from uh, COPD and just some other health issues. And so this is like the fourth time she's been hospitalized, I think, in the last several weeks for breathing issues and things like that. Yeah, with COPD. Um, so, yeah, just prayers for her specifically and then the family too who's not necessarily able to be right there with her yeah. when she's going through this so thank okay. you okay anyone else i have two one is on steph tozer that's on our prayer list her arm was redressed uh, on friday and she learned she has two plates in her arm, one, almost the length of her forearm. The oh, one wow. plate is about 17 screws. So <clears throat> they stopped her oxycodone, so she's feeling more pain. She can't take Motrin, they say, because that inhibits the healing of bones. I didn't know that. Oh. So she's on Tylenol and a, another pain medicine. But, oh. okay. but we're making progress. She's... And we're getting better, but she is yeah. still sore. And then those who know Doug Farver would be Joel's brother-in-law, was taken to the emergency room early Monday morning or late Sunday night, ruled out uh, he had a urinary tract infection, and they ruled out a heart attack. But he's been transferred on Friday to the Cameltown Nursing Home. Oh, okay. For, I think, six weeks of rehab, so we can pray for his recovery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right next to Annie's. Yeah. We all know where Annie's is. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, it's just down from the rising sun. Yeah. Yeah. Why would you know that, Joe? I've eaten in the rising sun since they remodeled and everything like that. It, it, it's really a nice place, and they do have good food. But they do have a bar, but that doesn't mean you have to go in there and, and use those facilities. Okay. We do have two birthdays. Doug. Doug Shope. Did you buy him another steam engine? Well, that would be really nice, Otina. Yeah, very thoughtful. There you go. And <laughs> and Amy's birthday is coming up on Wednesday. And when I when 
when Megan was up here lighting the candles, I asked her how old, and she said, I'm not sure, but I think she's 72. She looks good. Oh, absolutely, yes, yes. But uh, we'll sing happy birthday to them as soon as we uh, address our prayer. Oh, we, Donna's was yesterday. Well, that's okay, Donna. We like to sing. So would you like to stand up and tell us what, what you did? And oh, well, that's nice. That's good. Good. That's good. Good. All right. Well, let's, let's come together in prayer, and we'll pray for our concerns and our joys. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for this congregation, Lord. Thank you for their willingness to laugh together and cry together and just be a family, and a family in you is a wonderful thing, Lord. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for joys. Thank you for answered prayers. Thank you for uh, things that we can, like Mel said, cross off, that uh, Amy's, uh, what we thought might be a, a tumor is, is not that significant. But we still pray for Amy that she will get her problems diagnosed and straightened out. We pay, pray for other people who are in the hospital. We pray for individuals who had surgery. Lord, thank you for doctors who can take care of them and can diagnose uh, their problems. And only through you, Lord, do they gain that knowledge. And we, we certainly recognize that. You are the mo most powerful and the only great doctor that this country, this world, this universe has. Thank you for that, Lord. Lord, there's so many problems that we have, so many things that, that we could pray about, and you know what our concerns are, even though we don't vocalize them. But Lord, we know that you are in charge. We know that you give us great joy in the things that you succeed in and fulfill as your promises go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much for being the God that we can come to just like this and talk and plead and praise. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we ask these things and we acknowledge that you are the one that will answer all your promises. And we pray these things in your son's holy name, Jesus Christ, our one and only Savior. Amen. Well, like I promised, let's sing happy birthday. We have Doug. Hallelujah. Well, give glory to God in the assembly, in the congregation of his people. Give glory to God. And uh, so, you know, when you do prayer requests, also do the good stuff. So I'm going to do some good stuff. It's I know it's your mic's already done with that. But I'm, I got a couple things I got to say. And the first one is a week ago, week ago Friday night, and it was dark out. I had, uh, Karen and I were on our way home. We was about a mile from our home. And I had stopped at a stop sign. I had just turned. And suddenly, there was this car flying through the air and all the pieces of the car hitting our car. 
what in the world? I mean, and within, I mean, half a second, it could have very easily hit our car. And this, what it was is a lady in the opposing lane uh, going maybe, I would, she had to be going every bit of 50 mile an hour or more. Had, go, had fallen asleep at the wheel, had, had clipped a mailbox and it knocked that into three different pieces. The post just leveled it off at the ground level, broke the post in a couple places. The mailbox went this week way and then the other part that was holding it in place went the other way then she continued off the road and here's this telephone pole and her car how did our car you know you know heard about pigs flying i've never seen a car fly before not like this her car in a split second bent the pole over the car went up the pole broke the pole, went through the pole, and then then that's Hello. Okay, I'm still you know, and so we you know, we pull off and, and I am I am surprised to find there's no significant damage to our car. All this stuff, all these pieces that broke when she went through the telephone pole. And uh, of course the explosion of at least three airbags, maybe four airbags in her car. What an, what an ordeal. I'll tell you what, for her to, to survive that, be, before airbags, I think she would have gone through the windshield herself. I, I just, I just, Hallelujah, give praise to God in the assembly of his people. And so, and, and Karen prayed for, for the lady and while they were calling the emergency services and so forth. And she and I, I think, were the only people that were firsthand eyewitnesses of that happening. I just, man, and it happened so quick. This happened so quick. Just like the coming of the Lord, it's, people go, oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, well, you know, he told you, be ready. The other one is is last night, and so I'm burning out the phone wires over to Pastor Ryan. I go, Ryan, I don't know if I can make it. And some people know, some of you know about me and chicken. I just don't do chicken anymore, and it's been pretty well determined that chicken does not get along with my body and my body does not get along with chicken. It's not, you know, chicken soup, chicken broth, chicken, chicken, anything to do with chicken. I think if you just run a chicken through, through some water, I probably would get sick if I took that water. Anyway, she, so my wife, how many times has, you know, I, I probably would have been in the hospital a lot more times than what I have been. It's just been a half a dozen times I've been in the emergency room over chicken. And she is scouting everything that, I, that she serves me, the wonderful wife she is, but she missed one. And she was cooking the meat 
in this gravy stuff, and she didn't realize the gravy stuff had, had what, chicken broth? It was po huh? pork gravy that had chicken broth in it. And all of a sudden, my system is... That, that's what my esophagus does when there's anything between here and, and my tummy. It just closes, and it's going to stay closed from now until, yeah, until it freezes over. And, and it's not going to open up, and we've gone days and days already. You know, you know maybe like 48 or 30. 48 hours or more, I've, I've, I'm hoping that, oh, eventually it would open up and then go on through and whatever. Well, we know better. And so the, the recourse is to go to the hospital, and they go down with a scope. And, you know, you get there at 7 p.m., and they don't get to you till 4.30 in the morning. And I go, so I told Ryan, Pastor Ryan, I am so thankful to God for, for Pastor and that, however this was going to work out or not, that, that I had, oh, over all these years I've been trying to be a pastor and I never had somebody right there that I could say, Ryan, you got to be ready for the morning because <laughs> I may have to go to the emergency room. Well, so, so what do you do? You take what, you don't want to go to emergency unless you have to. So I'm trying to drink, take water in and try to force it down, and it just it won't go down, and you get these gagging things. It's gruesome. This is really gruesome. And so she says, well, let me run to the pharmacy. And, and what did you get? Children's, children's chewable Benadryl. Because it's supposed to... Uh, absorb more through not being in your stomach because this will never make it to the stomach. It'll never get there. And so I go, okay, now I'm going to try to get it as far down as I can and let's keep it there and not let it come back up and let's see if it'll do something. <laughs> All right, the clock is ticking, you know, maybe 15 minutes or whatever. So this is... But this is Going on nine o'clock last night. Good, great. And uh, then I, I took some water or some soda. No, I did some. I go maybe the fizzy, maybe the fizzy and the soda will help. <laughs> Aren't you glad I'm not a doctor? <laughs> what a gruesome thought, you know. But I, you know, I try to doctor myself, you know. Well, so was it the Benadryl? Was it the soda? I don't, eventually, I can tell, oh, maybe a little's going through. Well, let's keep it going, you know. I took a glass of water, and, you know. Hallelujah, I didn't have to go to the emergency room. And I give praise to God in the assembly of his people that God is, you know, I, one of the first things I had her do was, oh, Karen, We've been down this road before, and it's led to the emergency. Pray for, you know, and so my sweet wife, she puts her hands on me. Do you do this? Do you do this at home when the other person needs help? The one of, one of you 
lay hands on the other and pray for them. And she prayed this sweet prayer. <laughs> you know what? It really was her prayer that did it. <laughs> you know, God, God responds when we call on his name. And he can use Benadryl, children. So how many of those did that take? Four or five of them? Four of them? And I go, is this too many, you know? <laughs> Whatever. Um, you know that God uses the stuff of your ordinary, everyday life you find yourself in a jam, don't despair. Turn to the Lord. You and your family. And if you're the one in need, have the rest of the family gather around you and pray for you. That's just a word to the Regardless of how it turns out, God can use it. What the devil means for evil, God can turn for good. And, and even, even if he doesn't, I'm, we're going to serve the Lord even if things go haywire. We're still, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Yeah, even if you throw us into the fire, king, we're still not going to worship your stupid idol. You know, they ended up in the fire. Sometimes we end up in the fire, but God is able to turn it. And God there, here we can be right in the middle of the fire, right in the middle of the trial and the problem, and there God is with us, right in the middle of it. And who is the fourth man in the fire? Well, you need to get to know him personally. <laughs> you know, because the next time you're in the fire, well, you're going to need him, you know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for being with me. And give praise God in the assembly of his people. All right. That was not the sermon. That was just getting warmed up. You know me. All right. Proverbs today. Would you join with me in the sixth chapter of Proverbs? And by the way, if you're ever out preaching at uh, revivals or something like that, where you're a guest speaker, Sometimes, by the way, you don't know who God may call as a minister. Uh, Paul, even Paul may preach someday. God's able. Did you know that? And he could call you at your age, you know. By the way, so that's why I'm just saying to anybody, if you're going to preach, this is a good one to preach. Uh, and I have heard this uh, on several occasions, this one, talking about the things that God hates. Do you know there are some things that God hates. Uh, Pro Proverbs chapter 6 and uh, what do I got marked? Uh, starting with verse 12 and reading down through verse 19. Proverbs 6 verse 12 through, through 19. Uh, and I'm reading from the, the translation that I'm accustomed to and but your translation is just fine. I don't argue over translations. Some translations have better renderings than others, but I try not to make a, too big a deal out of it. Um, I don't read Hebrew, so I'm thankful for English translations. 
Proverbs 6, starting with verse 12, it says, a worthless person and a wicked man walks with a perverse mouth. Whatever is in your heart is going to come out. And as where is it going to come out? It's going to come out, yeah, not just in the way you act. It's going to come out of your mouth, what you say. He winks with his eyes. He shuffles his feet. He points with his fingers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They ought to just throw that guy in jail. Well, what the guy really needs is he needs to be saved. Then you wouldn't have to go to jail. He would change his behavior if he got saved. Ah, he got, you know, he's a skunk. We ought to get rid of him. No, no, don't point your finger. By the way, you know when you point, you got, you got these fingers are pointing back at you. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. By the way, what is the core of evil? The core of evil? My, my. Can you see it? Can you see the core, yes, it's from the devil, but where did the devil go wrong? The devil went wrong by self-focus. All sin is selfish, and all selfishness is sin. And that's evil, and that's what the devil did, and that's what the devil tries to get us to do, and that's what our carnal nature has a tendency of being. And I noticed every single one of my kids, one of the first words that they learned, and especially if you got a whole house full of kids, did we have a house full of kids, dear? We had, we had five kids. Yeah. Well, the first word, you ne never had to teach them this word, mine. They, they just learned that word, mine, and they grab it and run. Mine. Followed by no. <laughs> Evil. Continually he sows discord. Therefore his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly he shall be broken without remedy. It's like you get to the point there is a point of no return. It's like going over the waterfall. Well, you're not going to go back up to the top of the waterfall. No, you're already over. And there is, there is and can be points of no return without remedy. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. Abomination, let me say again, I've said this previously, but just by way of reminder, or maybe you didn't hear me say it, abomination is something that you thoroughly detest, completely, thoroughly, and it is really connected in the Hebrew back to olfactory, that is what you smell. And think, does anybody here love to, to smell the smell of a skunk that's just gone off near you? Now, that's what 
sin is to God. Thoroughly, absolutely disgusting to the point of how can anybody stand this? My, my. So you think, when you see the word abomination, you think of skunk. That's a good thing to think of. How close have you been to a skunk when it went off? Okay, I got a few smiles on that. Somebody knew something. <laughs> eh, abomination to him. Here they are. Number one, a proud look. Number two, a lying tongue. Number three, hands that shed innocent blood. Number four, a heart that devises wicked plans. Number five, feet that are swift in running to evil. You know, whether it be, it's running down the street to rob a bank or, hey, let's go over and kill that guy or let's go steal something from that, from that. see that kid? He's got, he got some candy. Let's go get it. Feet that are swift in running to evil. Where am I? Six? Six, yeah. Sixth one is a false witness who speaks lies. So there's, you got a lying tongue up there in uh, verse 17, but here in verse 19 is not only speaking the lie, but that it becomes words against a person. And number seven, false witness. Uh, okay, no, at the end of verse 19, and one who sows discord among the brethren and let me say what I have seen over the years some people are experts at this playing the ends against the middle and I've seen even little kids well get this kid to beat up that kid and they stand back and just watch the thing happen let me tell you as you get a little older I can you know man and it's saying God hates it and God can hardly stand it. You may say, well, why, why does he say there are 16, six things that he hates and seven that are abomination? Well, I'll tell you what. There's over, overlapping territory. I prayed about that. I go, Lord, what, what do you mean six things or seven things? Which is it, six or seven? Said, well, you know... <laughs> So many of these are overlap, you, you know, especially like the lying and whatever, you know. Well, is it the same? Well, you could count them the same, but it's not really the same. But you got a list there. You got a list there. And from these things, if, we, if my heart pays attention, if your heart pays attention, you can know more about God than the average person that walks down the street. Oh, Lord, I do want to know you. I do want to see you, who you really are. 
And before the great and notable day of the Lord, Lord, I want, Lord, would you show me yourself, who you really are. And, um, yeah, your, your carnal nature can hardly stand it because your na carnal nature wants to go the other direction, but there is a part of you, if you've accepted Christ into your life, he gives you a capacity to see spiritually that you would not otherwise. Let's pray a little bit over this passage. Father in heaven, we thank you. Thank you for this day. We praise you, Lord, praise you, Lord. And Lord, uh, I've said some things that I saw your hand at work. Lord, how many times has your hand been at work and we didn't even notice? And so we gotta, we gotta praise you when we do see it. Hallelujah, Lord, hallelujah, Lord. And so Father, we pray your blessing on this word and, and help us to receive uh, once again uh, the working of your word in us that your word will work mightily in us. We need it, Lord. And, uh, Father, that it would bring forth uh, not just some good things, but, Lord, it would bring forth good fruit and it would keep growing unto the furtherance of your kingdom in our daily life, in our homes, and in our congregation here. Oh, God, thank you for this congregation. Bless us. Bless us to your glory and honor. Bless us. Lord, we're not going to let go until you bless us. We grab a hold of you, Lord, and say, Lord, we want a blessing. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to read you a quote. I ran across this. <laughs> and then, then I realized, wow. So the, the issue is not only who said this, but who, when did he say it? When did he say it? So listen to this, see if you can identify. I don't know if there's much here to identify this with who said it, but it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite people. Uh, it says, we in the church have failed to remind this generation uh, that while God is love, God also has the capacity to hate. Isn't that a novel thought? God can love, he can also hate. Do you see, do you see God as that? God hates sin. And God will judge it, judge sin, with the fierceness of his wrath. This generation is schooled in the teaching about an indulgent, tender God whose judgments are uncertain, who coddles those who break his commandments. This generation finds it difficult to believe that God hates sin. Now, who said that? Billy Graham said that in one of his sermons. And when did he say it? In 1955. When I was five years old, he said that. Let me tell you, we're further down the road. 
Let me read a little bit more what he says about this. I tell you that God hates sin just as a father hates a rattlesnake that threatens the safety and life of his child. God loathes evil and diabolical forces that would put people down to a godless eternity just as a mother hates a venomous spider that is found walking on the soft, warm flesh of her little baby. It is God's love for humanity that his compassion for, and his compassion for the human race that prompts God to hate sin with such vengeance. He gave heaven's finest that we might have the eternal best. And he loves with a holy abhorrence anything that would hinder our being reconciled through the cross of Jesus, being reconciled to him. I, 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 I was sort of stunned by that. And the fact that he said that back in the 1950s, when I was just a little kid. Can you imagine me being a little kid? <laughs> I, that has got to be funny. <laughs> so here's my grandmother, and she... I can remember her thinking, I'm such a cute little kid. By the way, do most grandparents think their grandchildren are cute little kids? And if you could be, be the homeless kids in the world, but the grandparents think they're just wonderful. <laughs> but, you know, these kids, I've seen babies, you know, like with, within a half hour after they were born or even sooner than that. And I go, yeah, well, not exactly pretty, you know. <laughs> shriveled up, you know, skin. You go, you know, is, there so, is this child okay, you know? No, you know, and here I am, a little kid, and, uh, you know, my grandmother's fussing over me, you know. But that's the right attitude. And where does that, what does that attitude point toward? That's a big arrow when grandparents feel that not just parents toward their children, but grandparents toward their children have a tender heart and they don't want to see bad things happen. Now, I've seen bad things happen to children. Heartbreaking things happen to children. If we're that way, how much more so is God to the things that would destroy not just us physically, but that would destroy our soul in, in a godless eternity in hell. My, my. And so, yes, we live in a generation. We live in a generation that does not want a holy God. We live in a, you know, there's a part of me that I don't want to, uh, I don't want to reckon with the fact that God is, truly holy. And part of that holiness is, is, is a clear rendering from the scriptures that God hates sin. And uh, by the way, is this an uh, exclusive list? Only these things is what God hates? No, no, no. This is just a running start. This is just a clear list of some things. 
And, we, and you know, we can make a long list of other things that God is showing. He doesn't want that, and he doesn't want this, and he doesn't, you know, and Egypt is all off in Egypt of Moses' day. They're off into all worship of so many idols, so many false gods, so much paganism, you know, and every single one of those plagues that God brings forth through the hand of Moses is about some sin. And when they got frogs in their houses and frogs in their beds and frogs in their kneading troughs and frogs everywhere they look and then they all die and stink to high heaven, he's saying something about their frog god. Don't worship that frog god. You know, it was the body of a man and the head of a frog. You know, isn't that a weird thing? What kind of strange gods do we have and what do, what, what do you give your heart to that's not the Lord. That's the stuff. And God hates that stuff because that is a thing that stands between us and our Heavenly Father. And so those, so why is God letting sin happen in the world? Man, I, I still remember that bad sermon. When was that? Last year. It was, no, that was before Pastor Ryan was on the scene. All those wars, and I about flipped out over over twenty-seven pages of wars in fine print. Twenty-seven pages of wars that had more than a million casualties. Twenty-seven pages that they that, and this is the ones they have on record. And God lets that happen. Why, man? You know, one of them was was somewhere between 25 and, and 32 million died. That was World War II. Where was God? Hey, you know what? God's not the problem. God is not your problem. The devil and the humanity that goes after him, yeah, that's the problem. When my heart and my carnality follows the, the designs of the devil, yeah, that's the problem. And God lets sin, he permits, he permitted Adam and Eve to sin. And everybody sins. If you, if you really want to sin, he will let you sin. But he's also letting me know, he's letting you know that he hates our sin. He hates it. He doesn't just dislike it. He doesn't just sort of put up with it, but it stinks to high heaven in his nostrils. And he wants us to find our way out of sin. He lets us sin. Why? So, in fact, this is intonated uh, a couple places I can think of. He lets sin happen so that sin will appear as really sinful. And people like Hitler and Mao Zedong and, and what was the other guy, Joe Stalin, it's not that they were just evil. They were really evil in what they did. Now, you know, any of those three, if they would have repented, 
unto the Lord Jesus Christ at, in the final moments of their lives, yeah, they could have been, they could have been saved. So get, can God save anybody? God can save anybody. But you have to have a heart to turn to him. Oh, God, that I would have a heart to turn to you. And unless I say, yes, Lord Jesus, do that in me, yeah, it's not likely. Well, here are the things. Let's, let's look at these a little bit and then time to, time to wrap it up and go home. First, God hates a proud look. Uh, Proverbs 16, 18, it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. And Daniel 4, 37, those who walk in pride, he is able to put down. And in Jeremiah 50, verse 31, behold, I am against you, O most haughty one. Yikes. <laughs> If you find yourself on the wrong side of God, don't stay there. Go, Lord, if I don't get your help, I'm, I'm sunk. And my sin sinks me. And my only hope and my only help is God himself. And a proud look says, oh, I don't need, I don't need, I no, I not you know it's like that, uh, like Babylon writing, writing the the beast in the book of Revelation. You know, Babylon, there she is. I have no need. <laughs> I have no need. You know, and and so proud, so proud. I marvel that much of psychology talks about. You know, that's one of the degrees I have. Actually, it's the only degree I have. Uh, they talk about an inferiority complex. And they never talk about a superiority complex. Never even hear of a superiority complex. That's when, by the way, what is that? That's racism. That's what other isn't where we are better than others. You know, oh, you are you are just so special. No, no, you you need saved just like anybody else. You're in the same category as everybody. You need saved. Yeah, no, no, that's me. I'm not going to put myself aside and separate and and give you a proud look. Oh, if you were just like me, you know, and look over my shoulder and oh, you know, you ought to come my way because my way is the only way is the right way. It's either my way or the highway. And then something happens and we go, well, where's God? Well, he's holding his nose over there. You know, what is it? Is, is God's hand so short, it says in Isaiah, that, that he cannot save? His ear so dull that he cannot hear when you, when you pray? No, no, no. It says, and this is where I found myself at the foot of the cross, I go, does God even hear me? And it, I discovered it was my sin that separated me from God. Because you couldn't stand my sin. And then I saw the lowly one. The lowly one. 
was not only born in a manger, but he walked the dusty roads of this lost and dying world to bring a word of redemption from the Heavenly Father. Here he is in the garden, and I know the prayer. I would, oh God, get me out of this situation. Just like last night, oh God, get me out of this. I don't want to go to the emergency room. No, no. What did he say? Father, not my will, but yours be done. That's what he prayed for you. For me. And here's the Son of God. Even there in the garden, you can see him humbling his heart and humbling his heart. And he humbled himself all the way down to hanging on that cross and dying on that cross for sinners like me, for sinners like you. And there he was. And if you let the cross of Jesus leave an impact in your life, you see what he really did for you. Yeah, you're not going to do too many proud looks. Oh, you know, I am just so smart. I'm a self-made man. More people ought to be like me because I'm so smart. I went to college and... You know, everybody ought to go to college like I did. No, no, no. You get it way out of that. And you know what? It wasn't college that did it in my life. It was the grace of God that did it in my life. And if you discover that, yeah, you don't do proud looks. And Lord, if you take that out, just out of these seven things, you take that one out, guess what? The skunk smells less. <laughs> I can remember taking a dog that got bombed by a skunk, and I can remember, this works, by the way. You can take, you can take my word for it. I'm, I have experience. The stinky, smelly <laughs> dog, that, and, and giving him a bath in tomato juice. You know that works. Give the dog a bath now, you may end up sort of smelling like a skunk in the process. We're talking about an abomination and how you no longer are an abomination. Lord, I don't want to be a skunk in your nostrils. Why am I? Second thing, I'm not getting down this. You know, it might be two, two or three o'clock by the time I get through this list. Uh, Sandy, you need to abbreviate some of this. All right. Second thing, lie. The Bible says God hates a lying tongue. By the way, where did you learn to lie? Isn't it strange that children lie, lie instinctively without... I never taught my kids to lie. But every single one of them did. You remember that? Where did this kid learn to lie? The flagrant sins of fraud, embezzlement, slander, liable, breach of promise, these are the byproducts of a lying heart. 
And where did deceit come from? Jesus gave us the answer when he, when he spoke to those who lied in his day. He said in John 8, 44, you are of your father the devil and the desires of the father uh, you do, you want to do. Human nature was warped and twisted in, in, in what we call the fall when Adam and Eve sinned. But Jesus Christ, who is the truth, came saying, in me you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. And so you let, you let the word of God, you begin to let that permeate you and you will discover that the impulse of telling the lie, whatever the motive, the self, evil-hearted motive that causes lying to happen. See, it's not just not, not telling lies anymore. No, it's letting the truth of God come forward and center in your life. And that's not a philosophy. That's not a dogma. That's not a teacher. Uh, it's not a teaching. It is a teacher, which is Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the truth. If he's first place in your life, guess what? You'll have less motive to lie in the first place. Some people can't help themselves but lie. Why did you, why did you say that? You know that's not true. Well, I don't know. I just thought it would, that was sort of an interesting thing to say. Really? Let's look at the fourth thing. Uh, no, the third thing. I'm further ahead than I think I am. The Bible says God hates the hands that shed innocent blood. The sixth commandment, which is Exodus 20, verse 13, says... You shall not kill. Thou shalt not kill. You shall not, you shall not murder. It's really what is at the core of that. You shall not murder. First John 3.15. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. You hate anybody. And the end point of hate is your desire that that person no longer exists. Now, you can do that physically by taking their life physically and you're a murderer, but in your heart, you can also do it in your heart. Murder can be committed in many ways. You can murder your wife, your children, your friends by the poisonous venom of hatred and bitterness. But all, not all murderers are behind bars. It so happens that only those who kill the body generally are punished by the law, but many are free of destroying lives, a personality, the souls of others. The Bible says, you can strike someone with your tongue. This is, uh, what is it? Jeremiah 18, 18. Last half of that verse says, 
Come, let us smite him, talking of Jeremiah, with the tongue, and let us not give heed to his word. Smite him, smite Jeremiah with our tongue. Yikes. You can murder with the thing of murder with your tongue. No, no, God, if that's there, that's not from the Lord. Fourth thing. The Bible says that God hates a heart that devises evil imaginations. And so what you sow, uh, the seed you sow in, uh, in, in, in your thoughts, it very often ends up in your, the way you act. 